0: anyone to have a successful career, I think you just need to be embracing that uncertainty and be adaptable. Healthcare is constantly evolving. And if you're someone that's more open to change and willing to learn about something that you don't know about, or at least interact with the people that know about that, so you can gain some knowledge on that,
1: I think that's going to go far in anyone's career. Welcome to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast diving into their personal backstory, career, their current role, trends they've been seeing, and their vision for the future, personally, professionally, and otherwise. This podcast is made for people who are seeing how quickly the digital business landscape is evolving. Those who recognize that it takes a village of trusted advisors to navigate this ever-changing terrain. People who enjoy listening to high-level discussions surrounding what it means to be a leader real-world examples of challenges faced, and industry-specific strategies leveraged to create exceptional business outcomes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net. Good afternoon, friends. David Wright here, and I am your host of the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. Today, I am lucky enough to be joined by Dr. Neil Ray. Neil, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you?
0: Doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for those of our listeners who may not know Neil, can you just tell everyone a little bit about your current role?
0: Sure. So I'm lucky enough to work as the innovation technology officer for our physician group here. And in my current role, I've been privileged enough to be at the forefront, really, of integrating innovative technology into healthcare. I've been lucky enough to help lead several projects, such as implementing conversational AI in both our call centers and on digital platforms like our website and patient portal. These initiatives are kind of designed to streamline operations, allow our teams to concentrate on more of the complex patient queries and interactions that is really at more of the top of their license so that we can enhance efficiency and patient satisfaction. I've been helping reimagine our patient experience system, kind of all the way from the assessment, POC part of it, to implementation. Introducing a platform like that helps us engage with our patients' that are more representative of the ones that we're taking care of, and also able to do it in a more real-time fashion. Systems like these are kind of vital to pursue in healthcare to improve patient care. And lastly, one of the other interesting things I've been able to work on is a financial analytics platform. And the goal of that is to optimize healthcare costs and resource allocations. All of these things are centered around patient-centered care, implementing technology thoughtfully so that we can make our healthcare system more efficient
1: all incredibly important areas to us as well. I think rather one and two in particular. So I'll look forward to learning more about some of those initiatives. Before anything, though, we like to start off the episode with just one piece of actionable advice you might look to leave everyone with today.
0: Well, that's a hard one. You know, I think one piece of actionable advice that I could offer for those wanting to make a difference in healthcare, I guess, I think it doesn't really matter what level you're at within a healthcare organization or outside a healthcare organization, I think it's really a start by identifying a specific problem wherever you work or wherever you have some type of influence or subject matter expertise. doesn't matter how big or small it is. And then explore what are the different types of technologies or processes, whatever they might be, that can help streamline and make things better for your colleagues, for your patients, whether it's patient communication or streamlining an administrative process, using data analytics for better decision making. I I think the key is really find a problem and try to apply a solution to it. And it doesn't have to be inventing something new. Innovation doesn't have to be that. Sometimes it's just applying small solutions to real world problems. That's really the key. So I think put yourself out there, you know, take that first step, experiment, learn, iterate because there's always going to be failures. You're going to learn from those more than you are probably the successes. And small changes like that can lead to significant impacts in healthcare or whatever industry you're in.
1: Yeah. I mean, great practical advice on a number of different levels. A, you know, love what you said about innovation not necessarily being overly technical or that's kind of what I heard. It, It reminds me of this. I heard of this health system once they were having a lot of issues with wayfinding, but they didn't have enough money for a proper wayfinding app and they ended up just coming up with this color coding system and putting these arrows on the ceiling of the health system so as you traverse the halls you'd follow the arrows and it decreased the amount of instances where they were needing to help patients find where they were going tenfold so that's just a, a silly example but you know made a huge impact at the cost of putting arrows on the top of the ceiling so
0: you know i think low tech can sometimes be even more beneficial than a high tech solution and honestly decrease disparities right you don't have to have a smartphone app you don't have to have a wayfinding app or anything like that it's universally applicable whether you have a phone or not so it decreases disparities in healthcare just by having signs and color-coded maps and things like that
1: right exactly So great advice to start off the episode. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your background. So obviously you're an MD, but tell me a little bit about how you started out and how you got to the point that you are in your career today.
0: Sure. I mean, I I think like most people, my journey in healthcare started from like a personal anecdote, like I think it does for so many people. When I was six, my mom experienced Kind of a range of baffling symptoms like nausea, vomiting, headaches. Eventually, it led to the discovery of a pituitary tumor back in the day. So she went underwent multiple different surgeries. I think two of them were like eight hours or so and needed lifelong treatment with steroids. And that eventually led to some complications causing her to pass away later. But it gave us 30 more years together with her, which we otherwise never would have had. And kind of seeing her interactions and our interactions as a family through the healthcare system from when I was young all the way to the end, it kind of opened my eyes to both its incredible potential, but it's also limitations, right? So I think that's what kind of fueled me to get into healthcare. When I went to undergrad at Michigan, I was always interested in technology and engineering, and I am actually a biomedical engineer by background. So the intersection of technology and medicine has always been you know, fascinating to me. Went on to med school at the University of Chicago and then I did a residency training in anesthesiology at UCSF and then a pain management fellowship at Stanford. And then along the way, I kind of realized the impact that data and analytics can have on healthcare, which prompted me to get more training in informatics and finally an MBA. And I think each step was a building block for me leading to my current role where I'm lucky enough to be able to blend medicine, technology, finances, operations, kind of all together to ultimately reshape that patient experience, just like, you know, the patient experience that we had with my mom.
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful story, man. And one of the things I really appreciate about you is clearly you're formally well-studied student through and through, but you remain a student in, you kind of surmised it when you were talking about The advice you gave when you started the episode, you know, no matter what level you're at, we encounter these problems in our day-to-day. You saw these, and because we've talked a little bit about your background in your last role, technology wasn't even necessarily a responsibility of yours per se yet, right? Like, but you saw a problem and you started investigating proactively how could technology serve to solve this problem? And I appreciate it because... When I started Disruptive Innovations, for example, we would fly over our skis all the time where we'd encounter a problem. And I'd have an idea of how to solve or a framework, but then we would have to go figure it out. And it would take research and talking to other SMEs and learning. and but But it worked. And it just shows that I don't need to be limited by what I know in a given moment. I can be a seeker, a student, if you will.
0: And I think it's also, you know, if you don't have that knowledge, right, surround yourself with other people that do and interact with people that bring a different perspective, right? I think none of us can do this all alone. It always takes a team and it takes a team of people that have different backgrounds, different experiences, different subject matter expertise, right? That's what I think will help drive new innovations in healthcare. And again, it doesn't matter what level anyone is because a lot of the best ideas come from people that intimately know the problem, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, my mom always says to try to, I should try to hire people smarter than me, which is something I try to do day in and day out. So, Neil, what's one of the most important things that you learned over the course of your journey, personally or professionally, and what was life like before learning and after learning it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good segue. And it kind of touches on what we talked about, which is I think one of the most important things I've learned is that there's a lot of value in interdisciplinary collaboration. So you have the MDs that bring one perspective, but you have the call center experts that bring another set of expertise. And so, you know, whatever it is, right? There's so many different avenues in healthcare. But in healthcare early on, especially if you're a provider, or a physician, nurse practitioner, or CRNA, you tend to have a little bit more of a narrow lens. And I I had that myself. And it's because we get in-depth in one specific specialty, right? We learn a lot about one thing. But I think what I found is that embracing the perspectives of engineering, informatics, finance, et cetera, really helps transform a solution in healthcare, particularly because it's so interdisciplinary, but it's so siloed, too. So I think multidisciplinary integration, I think it broadens the scope of solutions that you have, but it also enhances, I think, the effectiveness of that solution, right, and the sustainability of that solution. So I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I kind of learned. And it's a transition that happens in healthcare because you're so focused on one thing, you have to then take a step back and look at the bigger picture.
1: Yeah. And I think that long term, it's integral to truly enhancing the customer journey because so often we find that optimizing patient access is being looked at through in a certain lens, whether it's strictly technological, strictly access, strictly interdisciplinary, like you said, or per specialty. And I have found that you know, when we're approaching these types of projects, you know, we really need to go wide, not only so that we can understand and ensure that whenever possible, we're ensuring that the solutions that we're rolling out kind of solve for not just the problem in this lane, but trying to leverage that solution for to solve for multiple problems where appropriate. Also from an organizational change management standpoint, right? Like... Ultimately, oftentimes I'm going to need to call on these folks when we're looking to roll solutions out or make change. How have I made sure that they were included in this from the onset and are not just an afterthought now that I'm trying to actually implement something? And in that now, it seems like I'm coming across just trying to put something on them versus them feeling included from the onset you know, and I've been in both positions over the course of my career. So I have the bumps and bruises to show for it. So what about some advice for folks that are just starting out, either, you know, clinical in background or technologists, what would you offer as some learnings or advice for people that are just starting out?
0: Well, I think in addition to kind of what I talked about, which was no matter what your role is, you know, identify a problem and put your effort into getting a solution and stick your neck out there a little bit. You know, I think in addition to that, I would say, you know, healthcare is constantly changing. And for anyone to have a successful career, I think you just need to be embracing that uncertainty and be adaptable. Healthcare is constantly evolving and. If you're you're someone that's more open to change and willing to learn about something that you don't know about, or at least interact with the people that know about that so you can gain some knowledge on that, I think that's going to go far in anyone's career. And it's going to be critical for your growth, the health system's growth, whatever it is. I think that kind of mindset really helps prepare someone for the changes we're all going to see, you know, in healthcare. And and it'll be an opportunity at the same time. So I I think that's kind of what I would say to anyone kind of starting out.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that advice myself. Just take risks within reason and continually trying to adapt. So clearly you've kind of garnered this experience over the course of, of your years. And I really appreciate our dialogue because I've found myself Working with more and more clinical individuals than ever before. It's clear in your role, right? I want to shift gears a little bit though. What would you say is a time that you were challenged in your career or that you had a project fail or, but something that I could say from my experience, I've took away the biggest moments of growth from those biggest moments of strife, really coming out of it on the other side. Is there a time in your mind that sticks out that, you know, had one of those moments, but you ultimately took away kind of a a good lesson or uh, a valuable learning? Yeah,
0: I think one of the things when implementing technology with healthcare is that sometimes they can be diametrically opposed. Healthcare is very regulatory, very standard, and a little bit more old school, right? And, And technology is obviously the opposite of that. So integrating those and implementing technology into healthcare can sometimes be a real challenge from that standpoint. And so there's been a number of different projects where there has been roadblocks that come up because it doesn't necessarily meet a specific way that compliance might be looking at something or the specific way our health IT is structured. And I think that's where having a creative team with different perspectives really helps out because that's when you can kind of come up with solutions that are meeting the goals of compliance, meeting the goals of the technology infrastructure you have, but still able to accomplish what you're trying to do and trying to implement. And I think when healthcare, it just comes up a lot and you probably see it all the time, right? Implementing technology into something that's a little bit more archaic probably isn't the right word, but, you know, a little bit more traditional. There's a lot of difficulty in that. And it's, it's where you then find the new creative solutions on top of that. That's where the successes, I think, come in and, and makes it worthwhile. Especially if in the end, it makes it better for your patients or it makes it better for your colleagues that are providing care to those patients.
1: 100%. I want to talk a little bit more kind of about the future, if you will. But before I do, I always like to just pause and ask about your favorite book, literary piece, blog, either that you've been reading recently or all time, your choice.
0: You know, I don't have anything to specifically talk about right now. My wife is a sociologist and actually I I gain a lot of information because it's the field that is outside of healthcare, but intrinsically involved in healthcare. And the things that you learn from sociological experiments and things like that, those are the things that I think I learned the most about. So I don't have any specific book, but it's more of actually interacting with my wife and the way she views kind of everything from a sociological perspective. That really, I think, gives me a lot more insight into technology and healthcare.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that because I have some roots in sociology myself. I was a dual major. So, and it's served me incredibly well. So appreciate that response. So now let's talk a little bit about your vision for the future of healthcare. What do you think will be some of the biggest changes as time passes? And talk to me a little bit about where you see the industry going in the future.
0: Yeah, it's hard to say right now, right? There's so many things that are kind of going light speed ahead, whether it's, you know, GPT or machine learning. But I think, like any industry, there's going to be significant changes in healthcare. Technology will drive a lot of those. You know, we're already starting to see adoption of AI and machine learning in the clinical interface, right, with AI interpreting medical imaging and things like that with a clinician still involved. But it's getting beyond that to utilizing AI in actual patient service operational workflows. You know, we're, we're obviously seeing with COVID, the advent of telemedicine, really expanding access to care. And I, I think that will become a staple If it is appropriately reimbursed beforehand, it wasn't, right? And that's why health systems couldn't afford to do it, right? But if it is, and it's providing a good experience without a degradation in quality for patients and increasing access, then it's a win, right, for everyone. I think there's going to be more personalized medicine that's going to become more of the norm, you know, with genomics or data analytics. But I think no matter what, with the... Advance of technology, that personal connection in healthcare, that's still going to remain really paramount. The real value lies in that interaction between the patient and anyone in the healthcare system, right? The person you're calling in the call center, if you get to a person, you know, eventually, right? Because there are things you can optimize beforehand. So that person doesn't need to initially talk to you if it's something simple, but that interaction with the person in the call center that interaction in the reception area, the n- medical assistant, the nurse, the doctor, you know, etc. That interaction is still going to be key, I think. Right. And so the goal is, I think, and the mission is to leverage technology and make healthcare as efficient and accessible as possible while still enhancing that human connection. Right. It I think successful healthcare systems will do that effectively. It'll still be patient-centered. It'll be compassionate. And the healthcare systems that will do it successfully are ones that, at at its core, value that patient-provider interaction and have a sense of trust that still is there, whether technology is involved or not, right? I think technology will be, but it's still that patient health system interaction, patient-provider, interpersonal interaction, that's going to be paramount no matter what.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you mentioned contact center a few times. You know, when we're optimizing the contact center and we're creating automation or implementing automation or screen pops or whatever it might be, really the lens that we're thinking about it is How am I freeing this individual up to have a more compassionate interaction where they're now needing to think about checking this box and this box or asking this question where that is taken care of and they can really focus on being there with the person, being present with the versus, oh, I need to make sure that I'm doing this next or this next. How can we make that as easy as possible for them so that they can really be there and you know, a great example that, you know, this makes me think about, I was talking about this on a panel I spoke on last week about how when self-checkout rolled out, I was kind of bitter. You know, here I am buying products at your store and you want me to check out myself now? Like, you know, what gives? And to a certain extent, I guess there's, there's some residual of that, but I was talking to someone about it and they were like, well, what about Lowe's? Like, have you been to a Lowe's lately? And I was like, yeah, actually. And they're like, well, so now what Lowe's did, right, was as opposed to having people checking you out when you're leaving the store and really not really adding much value other than literally just scanning your item across a scanner, they had those people deployed in the store at the point of care, so to speak, right, where they can be with you when I'm trying to figure out okay, do I need these brackets or what shelving will fit where on what surface I need, what material? Like, I don't know. And meanwhile, if they weren't there, I'd be needing to figure that out or I'd be beholden to the smaller, you know, number of staff that they had available to do that. So it was a profound example for me because I was like, oh yeah, that's really true. And it's kind of relatable to healthcare, you know?
0: No, I mean, I I think that's where the trust with the healthcare system really comes in because I think people see different things that are being automated. And if you just see a reduction of the people that you interact with and not an enhancement of your experience through those other things, right? So if health systems and practices, you know, they automate some things like we talked about, let's say, you know, automating your checkout or automating your scheduling. But then they also have experts, right, that can guide you through a journey through your surgical care or guide you through an experience post-operatively or whatever it might be. And you have an enhanced experience because they were able to shift certain people to another high value interaction. Then I think patients will have trust in that health system and will see the value add. And I think that's where it's going to have to go. You, You can shift some things and make it automated, but you have to just shift the experience and elevate the experience for the patients so that they want to come back they trust the health system that they're in and they really find that there is a value add here
1: so neil we're almost up on time here the final question i like to ask my guests is just if you could go back 5 10 even 15 years in time what advice would you give your younger self
0: I think it's similar to kind of what we talked about earlier in being adaptable and flexible. And I think the last thing I'd add in is continuously try to learn. It doesn't have to be formal either. What we talked about, healthcare is changing. So many industries are changing, right? And they're changing rapidly. So it's people that are willing to learn something new that they don't have any experience in. That's really going to help you go far. And if you have that kind of continuous learning mindset, I think that's going to help in anyone's career, whether it's healthcare or not. And I think for healthcare in specific, always keep your eye on the prize, which is in the end, we're all here to improve that patient experience and improve the quality of care that patients receive in the end. So whatever you're trying to implement, you know, always, again, look at that problem solve that problem and make sure it's actually solving what you're intended to solve, which is hopefully in the end an improved patient outcome, improved patient experience. So that's probably what I would go with.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, Neil, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. It was an absolute pleasure having you on.
0: Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank
1: you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net.